Grief is a lot more than just dealing with the death of a loved one. We can grieve over many things. The loss of a job, the loss of a relationship, divorce, changes in your health. There's so many things we can grieve. And do you ever wonder if you can find joy in that? How to live a good life while you're grieving? Well, you've come to the right place, as this is our topic for today. As I speak with author of Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief, Emily Thoreau-Threat. Welcome to the Stuff Up Podcast, where we delve into different topics to learn more about ourselves and more about others. And I am here today with Emily Thoreau-Threat, author of Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Thank you so much for coming on the Stuff Up Podcast, Emily. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. And so you're an author, speaker, and you're a professor, an English professor. Yes, I was until um, this, well, till January. The university where I was teaching, I'm, I'm a lecturer there. And so I'm on a, because I'm retired from there, I'm on a year to year contract. And this January, there weren't enough students. They, the uh, enrollment dropped drastically. And then uh, they had some challenges in California with a lot of teachers who'd moved away during the pandemic and were teaching from all over the country. And so they decided they won't allow that anymore. And since I live in the Maui, I can't really <laughs> teach in California anymore. So <laughs> I'm devoting all my time to helping others deal with grief and loss and find happiness. And that's part of your journey. And I think that what you're doing is so amazing and so needed because there's so much confusion out there, especially about grief. And I mean, when I talked to you already, you were sharing things that, that I didn't know. And then I read your book and I was like, oh, thank you so much, Emily, for, for talking about this, because we don't always know what to say. We don't know what people are going through. We're afraid of doing or saying the wrong thing. So it's very helpful for anybody, even if you haven't gone through grief or even if you haven't gone through a loss yet, this can help you when you do, because we all do, but it can also just help you in dealing with people and in personal development. Like I was telling you, I think your book is helpful for anybody. Thank you. I I really kind of believe that too. Uh, Anything that I've got in my book, there are things that I practice kind of on a daily basis. And although I've had lots of grief and loss in my life, I, I don't find myself dwelling in it. But I found I find myself taking good care of myself. And most of that's by doing the things that I talk about in my book. Mm-hmm. So can you tell, uh, tell my listeners about your story? Well, um, I have had two husbands who died. I was married to Jacques for 22 years, and we had a, a great life together. And he was pretty ill the last two years of his life. I took care of him then. And then when he died, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I I knew I had no intention of dating or or going out with anybody anymore because I I didn't feel like I wasn't married. You know, just just because your husband dies doesn't mean that that your uh, marriage is emotionally over. It might be technically over. So then I met Ron, (laughs) didn't expect to do that. And he was a wonderful man, um, pretty much opposite of Jacques and in most ways, but but really wonderful. And I really enjoyed being with him for, for 10 years. And in the last two years of his life, he also was dealing with actually the same thing that Jacques had. They both died from a combination of congestive heart failure and renal failure. Mm. So I kind of had the same experience in different ways twice. And after Ron died, I thought, okay, now what am I going to do? You know, the, the early grief that I went through is, is just like any grief. It's really consuming and it's, you just can't do a whole lot. But when I was starting to come out of that, I thought I have to figure out what I'm going to do now. I had really built my life around both my husbands, even though I did lots of other things in my life that I loved. That kind of essential caring part was missing. So I started writing about it. And the more I wrote, the better I felt. And I kept 
finding different things that I was writing, different writing techniques that allowed me to see that it, it was really helping me. And I thought if it's helping me this much, it would help other people too. Mm-hmm. So I decided I'd, I'd offer teaching this to other people. And I didn't, I, we had moved to Maui two years before Ron died and I'd been taking care of him for those two years. So I didn't know a whole lot of people and the people I did know were wonderful people, but none of them were dealing with loss at that time. So I formed a meetup group and said, come on over to my house if you want to write about grief. And people did. (laughs) I met the most wonderful group of people. None of them knew each other. And we wrote together, we started out monthly and they said, oh, this is so good. Can't we do it more often? So we started doing it every other week up until the pandemic. Right. And uh, we stopped being able to meet, but we, I started an online group hoping that they all would all attend, but they, they wanted the face-to-face connection. And some of them stayed with me. Some of them or all of them are still my friends and I keep in contact with them, but we just haven't been meeting with that group. But when we get past what we're going through right now with the pandemic, we plan on meeting again. And and that's really cool. But I've met so many more people online that I've been helping with dealing with their grief with with lots of of different ways and and loss because we've all been dealing with so much loss during this pandemic you know you may have lost a job you may have lost a home you may have lost your being able to be social Mm -hmm. there's there's lots of things that people have lost and this can apply to everybody and as you said most of the things in the book uh really do apply to everybody whether they're dealing with grief or loss or not yeah I was going to, I was going to ask how, have you seen more people become more interested because of the pandemic? (laughs) Yes, I have. Uh, It's interesting how, how many people are, because this, this loss from this pandemic is so different than what we as a world have experienced in recent history anyway. And people are really uh, reaching out and and looking for ways that can help them to deal with it and and feel better. Mm -hmm. So I have seen more and I've, I've been amazed at how many people and how many instances of people you wouldn't, wouldn't think would be the ones who'd get sick. I I was talking to a woman the other day and in a group I'm in, we had breakout rooms and it's an international group. And I happened to be in a room with a woman from South Africa and she said when South Africa closed down in March of last year, that they her whole family stayed in their home and didn't leave. They had things delivered that they needed, but they, they didn't leave until every single one of them got sick mm. with COVID. And here we think if we, we stay home, you know, and stay in our little little own pod that we'll be safe. And not even that was safe. So did they say it, how they got COVID? They assumed that it came with some of the deliveries that they got when oh. somebody delivered something. That's the oh. only thing they could think of because that was the only way they were in contact with people at all. And generally, the people left things outside and they'd go and get them. But somebody yeah. along the way. Wow. That's the thing, right, with this, with, with COVID-19. You know, sometimes we kind of feel if you haven't, if you don't know anyone who's had it and if you haven't really been impacted, you kind of think, well, I'm, I'm fine, you know, <laughs> and then just like that, it could happen. And, and I think that's the scariest part for, for everybody as we're dealing with this. But I love that you also discuss that the loss and the grief doesn't just come from somebody in your life passing away. It can happen from a relationship lost or loss of a job or just different changes in our life. And I think that that's so relatable for everybody and nice to be acknowledged because, you know, if you're, let's say you're, you're in a relationship and then it it breaks down, people sometimes will not understand that you are dealing with a loss in some way. And they're like, well, at least you'll find somebody else, or at least he didn't, you know, something didn't happen. And you're like, but I'm hurting. I'm still hurting no matter what you think. (laughs) Yeah. People just assume, well, actually, I think it's more that people don't want to deal with somebody else's loss. You know, they, they might recognize that it's there, but they 
uh, would rather do happy talk, you know, right. they, they don't want to get down to the nitty gritty and, and they don't know what to say. So they say something else uh, <clears throat> like the, the phrase that's so common right now, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is I'm sorry for your loss. Yes. I wanted to talk to you about this. <laughs> yeah. The, it, you know, people say that all the time. It's, it's like, you hear that from so many different places that when you see or hear that someone's dealing with loss, that you feel obligated to say something, but you don't really know what to say. And so you say, I'm sorry for your loss. And then you go right on to the next subject, just kind of gloss over it. And a lot of times it's just like I said, it with kind of no emotion and it, it just uh, something perfunctory that you th think you're supposed to say, like, I'm sorry for your loss. How about those Dodgers? Because you know? <laughs> people just don't want to get into your business, so to speak. Right. You know what? I actually, some, something happened to a friend of mine um, online, her grandmother passed away and I saw everyone saying, I'm sorry for your loss, my condolences. And I had, I had just finished reading your book. So I'm like, oh, what do I say? But it's online. So you really can't not say something. So I, I was like, I just said, I'm so sorry. Um, and I'm thinking and praying for you. But, you know, I'm kind of more mindful now of what to say. But do you have any suggestions of what a good response might be? Well, a good response is something positive if you can say something positive and a, a really good response is to mention the person who died hmm. you say like in in your case oh i'm sure you miss your grandmother so much and i i just can imagine the good times that you did have together and i hope that you can think about that because hmm. that that kind of switches it around to to something positive without being pollyanna right or uh, I know somebody said about my parents after my mom was this dad died first and then mom died a few years later. And somebody was saying to me, you know, I just loved how your mom and dad always held hands when they were walking. After oh. all the years that they were together, it was so sweet that you could tell how much they loved each other. Now, isn't that nicer than I'm sorry for your loss? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? that is so sweet. And didn't somebody say to you that that you're an orphan now or something. That yes, sounds crazy. That one blew me away. Why <laughs> would you I say that? It that way at all. <laughs> I have no idea why that person chose to say that to me, but it, it hit me hard. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of had a hard time getting it out of my mind for a while until I kind of did one of those bootstrap things where I said, this is ridiculous. Don't, don't let him have that power over you. You know, right. you, you might not, they might not be alive now, but you spent many, many years with them. Yeah. So uh, you just have to, when, when somebody says something that I think is uh, stupid <laughs> or hurtful, you know, just don't take it personally. Uh, now, when somebody does something like that with me, uh, just my heart goes out to them because they, they must just be in a place that they don't even know how to be compassionate at this point. That's so I can kind of flip the switch, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what's so powerful about your book. Cause you do talk about these kind of things, uh, forgiveness, um, realizing that people are trying, you know, they might be saying the wrong thing, but they're trying and they don't know and giving that person grace and then letting it, letting it kind of be not affect you. Mm hmm and I've, I've done that so many times holding on to what this person said or did. And I, I would be so angry. And then I'm like, why I'm putting all this energy and hating this person. <laughs> and I'm the only one suffering. <laughs> That's right. And they might That's not right. even have meant to do that. You know, you don't know. So I think that that also was so powerful in your book when you go through those kind of those kind of things. That's right. And you, you mentioned forgiveness. And that's, that's one of the things that can keep you down and sad for a long time when you're when you haven't forgiven somebody. Mm -hmm. And generally, you need to start with forgiving yourself. Right. And people don't often think about that. They think, well, why should I forgive him? He did this to me. Well, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. Uh, you, I, I forgive myself for feeling or thinking that way towards someone when they probably didn't have any intent at all at, at hurting my feelings or making me sad. Mm -hmm. 
so I, I release that feeling from me of holding it against them and, and just love them for who they are. Yeah, that's definitely helpful life advice for everybody. <laughs> um, I, I was really moved by your writing because it was shortly after Ron died when your friend, uh, her husband passed away, right? Chappie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you started writing to her all the things that you had experienced and that became your book, right? That's right. What, what I did with her is he, he Chappie was a really good friend of my husband and he was much younger. He used to call my husband dad. So mm. that, <laughs> that much younger. And we were family friends. We both knew each other's families and lived real close together on the mainland that I was in Hawaii and she was on the mainland and Chappie just died. It just, they weren't prepared for it in any way. And I thought, oh, she is going to be so lost because everybody's going to be telling her what to do or what to think or what not to do or what not to think. And mm-hmm. it can, it can be overwhelming. So with, within hours after he died, I, I found out about it and I just was inspired to sit down and write her a letter and it just kind of all poured out and I got it to her right away through being able to email it to a friend who lived close by to her to hand carry it to her to make sure that she actually got it. And she let me know later how much that helped her. She said that, that nobody else was talking to her that way. Everybody else was saying, I'm sorry for your loss. Right. <laughs> like that, that wasn't particularly helpful. So I, when that happened, I thought I've got to do more than this. I'm, I'm glad I wrote the letter, but I can, I can tell that she's still uh, very tender and is still kind of, what do I do now? So I decided that I'd write her every week for the first year. And that was kind of a big commitment. So I thought before I start doing that, I'm going to sit down and write what I would write 52 times um, so that I wouldn't be redundant and so that I would be helpful and supportive and loving. And I, when I went, went into it with that attitude, I was within 24 hours of when I decided to do it, I had all 52 things written. And as a, as a writer myself, I've published three college textbooks before this book. So this is actually my fourth book. I was looking at what I had written and thought, wow, I have an outline. Mm-hmm. And I thought this, this needs to be a book because there's so many different kinds of uh, comfort and support and what I've got in here. So I found an agent and got a publisher and there's the book. That's awesome. That must, that must have helped you heal. Even so much. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause as, as I said, it's the kind of stuff that I do all the time that writing it out makes it real. I think that's one of the, the values of writing things is that it's not just something that I don't know if you're like me, but things just bounce around in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sometimes the, the actual act of writing something out allows you to think about it, put it in perspective. And I thought, boy, I did go through that. Or I, I went through memories like, like the chapter on cocooning when I got to that point and I was thinking about how, how people just kind of go into themselves in those real early stages of grief. And I thought that's kind of like a, a cocoon does. And, and that started reminding me of all the butterfly examples that he had. And I, I hadn't been, I would, what I would say a butterfly person before, you know, but now the butterflies uh, are there for me. And it, it led to, I, I thought, a pretty cool chapter. And then recently, last, last November, my sister died. And I, she'd been sick for a long time. But especially when somebody's sick on and off for a long time, you don't think, you know, well, this time is it. You just think, well, they're going to recover like they have every other time. So it was, it was somewhat of a shock when she actually died. And I was in Hawaii and she was on the mainland and I couldn't go over and be with family. And it was kind of a challenge for me. And so I thought, I remembered when we did the ash scattering service for Ron here on Maui 
And everybody who came to it brought flowers from out of their yards. They came with like big grocery bags full of flowers. Aww. And we took them out on the canoes with us when we paddled out into the ocean and threw the flowers out with, with the ashes. And I thought, I'm, I'm just going to collect flowers from my yard and go to the beach and spread them out in the water there. And it, it was really powerful for me. And I'm, I'm really glad that I did that. But a friend of mine had driven me there so I wouldn't have to go do this by myself. And I was just standing there looking out at the flowers floating in the water. And he kind of gently tapped me on my shoulder and I looked over and he pointed down and I looked down and here's a butterfly on my toe. Uh-huh. I'd just been sitting there and I had my my phone in my hand so I was able to take a picture of this butterfly sitting on my toe sat there a long time before it decided to fly off and I thought that's just this connection that I have with the butterflies right oh you're you're giving me you're making me cry oh (laughs) I'm I'm an HSP highly sensitive person so I I connect very deeply with things (laughs) but I mean in a good way you know it's good to cry too Mm -hmm. um but when you're talking about cocooning, you talk a lot about self-care. And I think for a lot of us, and we don't even have to be necessarily dealing with somebody who passed away, because I was like this for a long time too. But especially when when something happens to somebody you love, there can be, you just stop taking care of yourself and you That's get right. depressed and you can eat a lot or not eat anything or get caught up in addiction or different things. Right. And so I think that was so important and powerful what you were saying about make sure you take time to be good to yourself and eat healthy and move (laughs) exercise. Yeah. A lot of people just sit. I know my, my sister's husband died. uh, What I think is relatively young at uh, 59. So she was 57. And he had, he actually had been dealing with cancer for a long time, but didn't know it. Oh, uh, because he, he's, what happened with him is his abdomen kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And he was having GI problems and he'd go to the doctor and the doctor would say, lose weight. And Ooh. every time he went in, that's what, that was their diagnosis, lose weight. And, and by the time they finally discovered uh, that it was cancer his his whole abdomen was was bulging way out filled with a giant tumor that everything it was wrapped around everything inside and there was nothing they could do at that point so my sister was so uh, kind of shocked by that and then she she went back to teach uh, she was teaching in a private school kindergarten and she loved doing that and they decided, uh, because in private schools, you don't necessarily have the same kind of contracts that you do in, in public schools. Mm-hmm. They told her that she had been taking off way too much time to deal with her husband. And so they terminated her. No. So she not only lost her husband, but she lost the job that she loved. And so she sat down. And that's about what she did for the rest of her life. She, she'd go to church on Sundays, and besides that, she mostly just oh. sat there, watched TV all day, all night, whenever she was awake, wow. and just didn't didn't deal. So she was an example to me of what not to do, and I feel really strongly about paying attention, and this especially in the pandemic, when people are staying at home, um, you, you've seen the funny things like online or on TV of, of somebody that's doing a Zoom meeting and they stand up and didn't have any pants on because <laughs> they get so so used to not taking care of themselves. You know, they might do the absolute minimum that they can get by with, like putting on a, a shirt or something. But they're they're not doing a good job at taking care of themselves because right. of the circumstances and their houses get dirtier and dirtier, their legs get weaker and weaker. Uh, they either don't eat or eat too much. And, and it's the same sort of thing that happens when you're grieving. So the, the staying inside with the pandemic is the same sort of thing. And then sometimes we kind of manufacture things to (laughs) worry about, like people being so adamantly opposed to masks. And I'll probably get some feedback about that, but um, I am grateful to wear a mask. You know, once you've seen these people that are dying and young people and you've known people who have been 
hospitalized and have died from COVID, how could you not do everything you could to take care of yourself? But we kind of let our imaginations run wild with us. And frequently we sit and listen to whatever our preferred thing to listen to is. And that can drive you in one direction or another and, and how you're thinking and feeling and dealing with things right then. So you really need to pay attention. And what I've done is I've started, if, if I like want to read a book, I'll say, okay, now is this book going to serve me? And it can be fiction. It can be nonfiction, whatever it is. But am I going to be uh, happier or wiser or uh, comforted or something from this book, or is it just going to occupy my time? And if it's something that just occupies my time, even though I don't think it's that way when I started reading it, if I recognize that, I just close the book and I don't read it. Or if, if I choose to watch a movie or something on TV, if I see that it's not going to be a good experience for me in one way or another, I don't have to watch it. And that's that's kind of part of the self-care. It's, it's real easy to convince yourself to not go take a shower. But if you keep thinking about how wonderful it feels to be clean and how good it feels to actually have that water coming down on you, and then focus on that and get in the shower. Right. But a lot of people haven't been doing things like that because they just figure nobody's going to see me anyway. What difference does it make? What you're talking about is um, reminds me of like the living intentionally mm-hmm. and mindfully. Like uh, I used to just watch whatever was on TV just because to fill time or I don't know, because I had nothing else to do. Um, but now I do. I'm like, OK, well, because I'll, I'll have friends or, oh, you should watch a show. And I'm thinking, nah, I'm good. I don't need to. And what is this serving me? Like I will sometimes watch shows that I'm like okay it's kind of a waste of time but now I'm more picky about what I and I think that that is important and you're so right I mean is this with the things I want to do in life is this a waste of time is it just me relaxing why am I doing this Mm -hmm. Um, but also what you were saying uh oh what was I going to say oh the shower Mm -hmm. and when you talk to I know when people have depression And sometimes they say, if all you can do is get out of bed and have a shower, that's like one thing that you can do. And it will at least be something that's positive. And I thought that that was so key because I've had those days where I'm like, uh, and then I'm like, okay, I got to think if I can just have a shower, I'll at least feel better and at least be clean. And that can maybe help you throughout the day. Um, do something more, you know, because it's like, it's one thing. And so, yeah. And even if it's just small steps, because sometimes all you can do is just have a shower mm-hmm. and then the next day you and, can and make shower's worth it. Else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey guys, I just wanted to take a minute here and say, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help support the podcast, you can subscribe, rate, and review. It helps people to find it. If you also want to help support it financially, you can check out buymeacoffee.com backslash stuff up podcast. Thank you so much. I love you all. Uh, what I wanted to ask you, probably people also say things. If you know, let's say when Chappie passed away, it was sudden, but then you have somebody who you know that they've had cancer for a few years and then they pass away. And sometimes people will say, well, at least you knew, at least you were prepared, but it doesn't take away from that loss. Do you you find that people kind of put those two in separate, separate, separate aspects, thinking that you should be more, you shouldn't be as, as much grieving with somebody that you knew is going to pass away than somebody who accident or unexpectedly passed away? That's, that's an interesting question because what you're talking about, maybe without realizing it is judgment that people are judging how you're supposed to feel and they don't have any business doing that. How you feel is not their business. 
Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people, I was talking to somebody the other day whose mom has Alzheimer's and she says, I'm, I'm losing her more every day and I'm grieving now. She said, I, I know you're not supposed to grieve until after they die. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> you know, you, who's you making up these rules? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that uh, it's it's absolutely normal to be grieving through the process of losing somebody because they're they're gone, even though their physical body might still be there. The person that you knew isn't there anymore. They're they're there in a different way, but not not in the way that you've uh, that you were loving them before. So. Grieving at times like that and and dealing with your loss and taking care of yourself through something like that, we tend to put all of our energy on the other person. I know my mom uh, ended up having a, a brain tumor and it was an inoperable brain tumor that just kept getting bigger. And as it got bigger, it messed more with uh, how she was acting, how she was being. And it was fascinating to watch all the things that she went through in in the process of this happening. And after a while, I realized that who I was dealing with was, wasn't really my mom, but then she would come back so lucid and be talking about things that were absolutely true and right, or she would be very insightful. Uh, I remember her saying to, to someone, about someone else it, he really loves you and that person had no idea that that person <laughs> had felt that way about him <laughs> but when when we all were talking about it looking at it I thought gee it's so obvious why didn't we see that and for that to just come out of her was was interesting but she she was a handful she would do things like I I would have when I I was real involved in the community and when I had a meeting I would invite the people to come to my house so that I could keep an eye on her and we kept the doors locked because we had a swimming pool and she liked to go out and stand there and stare into the pool. And we were just sure we were going to find her in that oh. pool one day. So I was sitting at the meeting one day with my back to the big front window and I saw everybody going. And I thought, oh, shoot, I turned around and mom was running down the street. <laughs> I hadn't seen her run in forever, oh, but she word. was so excited. I just, you know, flew out after her and got her and she was laughing so hard. She was so tickled that she got away. I'd take her to the doctor and she'd tell the doctor, I'd be like standing behind her and, and she'd tell the doctor, you know, I, I don't understand why my daughter won't let me drive because I, I really need to drive and, and I want to drive and she's not letting me. And I'd be standing behind her going... Oh, <laughs> unfortunately, the doctor would look at me and convince her uh, for for that time being for not right now, you know, wait a little bit and then we'll talk about it again. But, you know, because she sounded so rational in talking to the doctor, if I wouldn't have been standing there doing that, he would have been giving her the keys. So uh, it was just just a handful dealing with somebody like that. But in, when you're doing that sort of thing, you have to take care of your self in the process you can't get lost in someone else's care to the point that you're not taking care of yourself mm -hmm. even if that means eating a healthy or doing something to get some exercise maybe take them for a walk around the block if they're dying to get outside instead of worrying about them staying at home while you try to walk around the block it it's all of this, with, with whether it's grief or loss or anything, it's self-care. It, maintaining self-care is the, the one thing that's going to make you uh, or enable you to deal with things in a way that serves you. And if, if you see that you're doing anything that's not serving you, then recognize that and then find a way to stop it. Mm -hmm. That is so important. I. I had a friend, we were both working at this job that was just so stressful for us both. And she would go home and work out and she ate so healthy. And I was like, wow, how do you do that? And she goes, if I don't do this, I am going to just break down from this job. And, but my way of handling it was binge eating, eating junk food, um, 
being miserable. And so I was like, oh, and so when you start eating better, you realize how that is affecting your body, your mind, everything. And I was like, oh, this is important, right? <laughs> and you're able to handle the stress better, but it's a, it's a bad cycle when we get into these addictions and things like that. And they're easy to, to fall it. into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really, really easy to fall into. And the, the key is taking time to recognize it. And yeah. then you, once you recognize it, do something about it. And one way I've, I've found to deal with this, I think pretty effectively is to, to write. If you have a journal and if all you're doing is recording like what you did that day, when you look back on a few days and you go, oh, wow, how does, how does that serve me? <laughs> How how did uh, you know eating eating popcorn for dinner because um, I wanted to watch a movie is is not serving me you know that <clears throat> there's not adequate in nutrition in popcorn <laughs> to give me the energy uh, and the healing that my my body needs so writing I think is is a really good way of doing that and another thing uh, with I have I'm a big proponent of happiness. And finding ways to be happy. And people, when I tell them that, and they go, how can I be happy? I'm, I'm in deep grief here. Well, you, you can. They're two separate things. You can grieve and be happy at the same time. And it's very important for you to be able to recognize things that, that make you smile or things that uh, enable you to be happy and incorporate that into your life. And one of the ways I do that. Uh, is writing at least three things first thing in the morning in my journal that I'm grateful for and always writing down something that brought me joy the day before because a lot of times you think you get into this rut of thinking my life's all bad when when I first had somebody uh well they mentioned gratitude to me and writing down things I was grateful for I thought they were crazy right (laughs) you don't understand I'm grieving and this is terrible (laughs) but once I started to do it, I, I committed to writing down 10 things that I was grateful for. And when I did that, I thought, oh, well, I'm also grateful for this. And I'm also grateful for that. And I started writing more and more. And I found myself getting kind of addicted to gratitude. <laughs> I'd think of something I was grateful for, and I'd, I'd be out in line at the grocery store and be digging through my purse to find some scrap of paper to write it down so that I could remember that that was one of the things to be on my gratitude list and writing that gratitude every day really helped and the act of writing something that brought you joy the day before is really important because we can get in this rut of thinking I don't have anything nothing's bringing me joy but if you really look at the day there's at least one thing that brought you some joy like like this morning, I, I got up and I thought, well, what am I going to write for my joy yesterday? Because it was kind of a tough day. I've, I've actually been dealing with, fortunately, it's passed, but I've been dealing with a kidney stone this week. And there's, oh. there's nothing happy about a kidney stone. Oh. <laughs> but I was trying to think when I, I feel like this, what is it that is bringing me joy? And I realized that yesterday I had a phone call from... Uh, a dear friend, somebody very special to me, and I, I hadn't talked to her on the phone in, in a long, long time. And she was reaching out for help and how to help somebody else who was grieving. And we just had a, a beautiful talk and we're able to catch up and it was really nice. And I thought that really did bring me joy. Yes, we were talking about grief. Yes, we were talking about sadness. But the support that we were giving each other in the process and hearing her voice and hearing her expression of love for me as I did for her, how could that not make you happy? Right. And, you know, I could recognize that as joy. So find those those high points in your day. Find the, the joy in your life and pay attention to them and think, I, I've got this to look forward to. I know that every day there's going to be at least one thing. And, and once you recognize the one thing, 
you start like today i happen to be at the end of this journal that i, I was writing on. i didn't have any more space left i'm like how am i going to cram all this in in this little space because <laughs> <laughs> i kept thinking about one more thing and i didn't know how i was going to i was writing sideways along the, the edge uh because I, I i didn't want to lose any of these things i wanted to remember this joy and then sometimes you'll be having a really down day and maybe you're sad and and really falling into it and you want some some help to give you a little boost you can pick up one of those journals and, and look at your joys for the day and you'll start smiling you'll start taking a breath and go okay i can move on because it's not all bad I do have things to be happy about. I do have things to be grateful about. I have things to look forward to. And then smile and feel the joy. There's something about smiling that you can feel it all over your body when you've got a nice, genuine smile. And, and even that's also I've, very healing. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, even um, my life coach was saying, raising your eyebrows will help. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I've heard about looking up, you know, looking up to the sky that can help improve your mood. But raising the eyebrows, I was like, oh, that's interesting because it kind of yes. lifts your face up, right? <laughs> yeah. You're giving yourself a facelift. Yeah. Well, that and, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in the, the negative. If there is, you know, something stupid, like somebody cuts you off in traffic. And then you're like, wow, my whole day is ruined and everything. Meanwhile, you forgot about the beautiful morning that was there and, you know, the other person that let you in traffic or that those negative experiences can just kind of take over and we can so easily remember those and forget the positive. And I, I think I heard that for every negative thing, it takes seven positive things oh, wow. to, to bring that like if somebody says something negative about you and somebody says something positive, it has to happen seven times for you to maybe take away that negative, that negative thought was, or what somebody said. I was like, wow, that's powerful. <laughs> yeah. You just have to, to uh, recognize that and pay attention to that. And, and you can have one positive change make the difference if you th- think about it seven times, you know, right? because <laughs> it, it, it's focusing on, happiness it's focusing on what's good one of the things i i had uh, an aunt who i uh, she was very special to me i had lots of aunts and uncles but this this one aunt was um her teenage grandson had just gotten his driver's license and they were going to a, a family picnic about a half an hour away and she was in the back seat and her husband was in the front seat and their teenage son was the 16 year old was driving and they got in an accident and her husband was killed and she almost died had uh, she i won't describe the injuries because it was it was very sad that it took her a long time to heal and she ended up having a, a hospital bed in her home that the only place it did fit was in her living room so she was in this hospital bed in her living room for a long time and when i went to see her uh, it was it was back in the days of the VHS tapes, those big <laughs> rectangular yeah. boxes. And she had this this tape of Patch Adams, the, the mm. movie Patch Adams. And yes. she was a nurse. She was an RN. And she was just crazy about this movie. And I said, Oh, that's so cool. Does you know, does that make you happy? And she goes, Yeah, I watch it every day. Wow. <laughs> but she found that that by it was like rebooting her happiness every day by watching something she knew she was going to have warm fuzzy feelings about she knew she was going to laugh out loud she knew she would feel good by watching it that she she found her her medicine to help her get through all that she was going through hmm. was um, this this wonderful movie so find whatever it is that's your your medicine that brings you up Mm-hmm. that makes you happy for me it's it's writing all the different kinds of writing I do and helping other people I love that I, I love like being on podcasts where where I know maybe maybe if it's only the podcaster that gets some benefit out of it it's worth it to me but I have the potential of reaching people around the world that I can tell them the value of to their health of being able to experience that happiness yeah. The, to their to their heart, to their emotional self, 
that happiness is just critical and you're doable yeah Yeah. and your book I, I found it was really interesting when you you're helping people with the process of grief but to embrace it with mm-hmm. open heart and arms. And I think that's something that we're so scared to acknowledge. I mean, you never say that to somebody who's grieving because it's not for me to say, you need to do this. Yes. <laughs> like we say, you yeah. need to forgive, you need to, you know, but, but that's powerful because if we're, yeah, so often we're like, well, this person needs to be sad. And, or they feel that they need to be sad. And you were mentioning that even when, if you're laughing at something or smiling, or when, when you met Ron and you were still grieving Jacques death, um, that was, you kind of felt like I can't be dating or weren't people were asked kind of saying, oh, it's too soon. You shouldn't be dating somebody. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody wanted to be in my business. It seemed like (laughs) That it's it's very important to um, <clears throat> to find ways to express your grief, if if only to yourself. But to do that, because the more you don't, the more you just are tamping it down, and it just gets more and more and more condensed until a point that at some point it's it's either going to explode or it's going to fill you up so much that you can't experience anything else. You have to release it in some way. You have to be able to do that. And it's different for everybody. Uh, men especially are, are hesitant to cry right. uh, with grief. It's the, the only time I remember my dad crying was at his father's funeral. And he had lots of things that he could have cried about that were pretty, you know, critical things. But he just didn't, didn't do that. Men don't cry. And... The, the more you don't express things, the harder you become, the harder it is for you to be positive and move forward. So it's very important that you, you find a way, whether it's going to a counselor, whether it's, it's reading good books that help you and that you can do in, in the privacy of your, your own home. You know, you don't have to go out and reveal to somebody you don't know, like a counselor. That, and i I think it would be interesting to do a study of with grief counselors of how many of their patients are men, mm. because it seems like this is something that women seem to be more willing to deal with or recognize they need to deal with it. Where right. men, I know somebody who their, their boss told them they, they had their two days of bereavement leave to be able to, to go to the funeral and deal with things. And when they came back and they were kind of weepy, their, their male boss said to them, aren't you over that yet? <gasps> no, he didn't. And it's like, what? give me a break, you know, <laughs> let's That's... see what happens when your mother dies. You know? oh, that makes me so angry. You know, I, I remember seeing bereavement days, two days, and I'm thinking, what, how, how are you supposed to, deal with a funeral and your emotions and all of that and then come back to work and in two days and I I guess some people work helps them because if they're at home thinking about things it's or maybe that's just kind of it's a distraction maybe that's not necessarily good uh but man two days (laughs) and then yeah you're supposed to be over it (laughs) Mm -hmm. How on I earth? think the two days is like one day for when when the event happens that somebody's dying and they let them get off work to go be with their loved one. And the other day is for the funeral. So they aren't necessarily even two consecutive days. Oh, that, oh, uh, right. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> I was working at a restaurant when my grand, my grandpa passed away and <coughs> um, I was supposed to work. I was a hostess of this buffet restaurant and I was supposed to work the day of his funeral. But I said to my boss, like, well, it's my grandfather's funeral. Um, at that time, I didn't want to make waves, you know, because it was a job. And so uh, I wanted to ask for the whole day, but he goes, well, I'll give you the morning. Can you come in the afternoon? And I was like, okay. As soon as I saw a family member uh, at the funeral, I started bawling because I love my grandpa and I was crying the whole time. So my eyes were bright red. It was so embarrassing. So I had to go into work in the afternoon 
And people are like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, my grandfather's funeral was today. And I don't know why I came into work. Like I was so mad, (laughs) but I'm thinking I should have just, yeah. So my boss thought, I don't know. It's kind of like, wouldn't you say, oh my word, I'm so sorry. Take the whole day. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, A normal caring person would, but. uh, All about the dollar. (laughs) Yeah. People who haven't experienced something like that don't have a clue. Right. You know, uh, not not all people, but there are people who aren't necessarily the the more alert, aware, compassionate people that that just they really don't get it. They just really don't get it. And sometimes I I kind of feel a responsibility to educate them. So uh, not that it does any good because you know <laughs> depends they who it is. They've, they've got to they've got to have the experience. It's got to be. Uh, somebody or something that happens to them that they go, oh my gosh, you know, this does hurt. I can't breathe that well right now. I can't stop crying. I can't concentrate on these numbers. I can't uh, do whatever it is that, that your job entails. And it's just not safe necessarily to have somebody working. If they're, there's some place that, that they could easily get injured if they're not paying attention, that we need to, um, I, I hate these prescriptive things, but <laughs> right. it, it's important to pay attention to the emotional needs of people as well as the physical needs. Mm-hmm. I know at, at uh, one place that I worked, they were so tough about getting giving time off for, for important things. You know, the only only way that they wanted you to get time off was this, if you went to the doctor and he wrote you a note. And otherwise, they expected you to be there. Right. And most of the people that worked at that particular place couldn't afford to go to the doctor. And so that meant that they couldn't ever take any time off. And what that did was make them call in sick all that many more times, whether they were going to the fair or you know going out on a date, whatever it was they had no qualms about calling in sick because they figure if their boss didn't care about them, they didn't care about their job. You know, they wanted their paycheck, but they, the emotional connection wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's so important for us all to be aware of what we're saying, what we're doing, where we are, who we are, what's important and have that um, guide you in a compassionate way if we we all just like in the days of the Rodney King riot when they said can't we just all get along we can just all get along if we all make a conscious effort to do that Mm -hmm. yeah and I I think a lot of times nowadays um I, I think it's good how people are becoming more sensitive in a being mindful of how our words and our actions affect others, even if we don't have that experience. Uh, but then other people are like, well, you're just too sensitive. And well, we didn't do this in the old days. But I don't know. I, I think it's really good to be very much aware. And I, I know I've, I mean, I cringe at some of the things I've said to people over the years. Uh, and I have to have forgiveness, forgive myself and have grace with myself mm-hmm. too. Um, but I'm grateful for those experiences because then I learned from them. And so Mm -hmm. I'm a different person now than I was before. So it's in, and especially if you go through something that's hard, you have much more empathy for other people going through that than somebody who's just had maybe a fairly easy life or, or maybe if they have had a hard life, they've just become hardened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so they're even worse. They're even scared. Like more mean or whatever <laughs> but yeah yeah and and some people I was just thinking about um when I grew up working on the ambulance because my parents had an ambulance company which I still have after all these years but when I was either working in the hospital as a nurse or or going on ambulance calls I was awesome in the moment of doing any kind of emergency stuff and taking care of things. I was so good at doing that sort of thing, but walking out the door to get in my car after it was over, 
sometimes it's a challenge. Sometimes I, I couldn't even drive. I'd have to pull over to the side of the street and, and wait for the waves of shaking to pass before I could drive again. Wow. Because the, the, uh, whether you want to recognize it or not, your body's responding to whatever it is that's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very important to pay attention to your body. If, if your body's acting a certain way, then there's a reason for that. And take, that's going back to that thing we were talking about at the beginning is take good care of yourself. That's the most important thing you can do. If you don't take care of you, you can't take care of anybody else either. Mm-hmm. It's like that, that put the oxygen mask on first thing that you, you have to be able to um, get yourself in a, a position where you can see some joy, find some happiness. You can take a deep breath without shaking. You can uh, be compassionate with somebody else. When you can do all that, then, then you, you can move forward. But you kind of have to go through the process to get to the point when you can move forward instead of just jumping out first and, you know, stepping off the end of the plank instead of uh, walking slowly towards your goal. Right. Wow. That's, you're so wise, Emily. <laughs> but I, I'm, Thank you. I'm so grateful that you write because uh, you're helping so many people with your words and, and, and all the things that you're doing. I mean, we all have responsibility in life. And if we pursue these things, we never really realize the impact it has on other people, even if it's just one person or millions. You know, if you didn't step out and do those things, you wouldn't have been able to reach out and help somebody else. And I think that's that's a beautiful thing. Um, is you. there any anything that any advice, last minute advice or anything that you would just... Um, or one piece of advice, sorry, that you would give to somebody who's who's dealing with with grief right now. Um, Besides, buy your book. <laughs> yeah, yes, buying my book would be the number one thing. But I think, uh, it, and we've talked about this: that take care of yourself, love yourself up, what, whatever it is that you need to do, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's sitting and doing some deep breathing or sitting outside in, in nature, going for a walk, do something that brings you up, that makes you feel good, makes you feel better. Always take good care of yourself. That's great advice. So your book is called Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. And how can people find you, find your book, reach out to you? Well, my, my book is traditionally published, so you can get it anywhere books are sold. And the, I have a website that's loving and living your way through grief.com. And you can reach me through my website or by writing to Emily at loving and living your way through grief.com. Make it easy that everything's all the same. And I have a blog that you can sign up for on my website where I send something out once a week. They're not long, but there's something to give you something to think about, to give you some comfort every week. And I have, um, like a, a writing together through grief on zoom mm. meeting that I do every Saturday for an hour with people from all over come to it, but it's usually not a real big group so that we can actually interact with each other and get support there. And I'm just starting the grief and happiness Alliance, which will be a weekly meeting that people can join and come to that where we'll do happiness practices. We'll do some writing. We'll have special guests. We'll do really cool things all the time so it's uh there's lots of things that i can do for you and ways that you can find some comfort and and i i hope you will choose to do that for yourself that is awesome i love that and you can connect with people all over the world through Mm -hmm. zoom (laughs) yep i do yeah you being in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Hawaii. And I can, you know, if I would have been on, on the mainland, I even with the pandemic, I wouldn't have been able to go places. But being in Hawaii, there's not that many places I can make appearances. So <laughs> it's, it's wonderful to have Zoom and to be able to do presentations. I do that too, like for organizations that have meetings on Zoom, mm-hmm. I can speak to the organization. And, and that has been really exciting stuff that, that yeah. people really benefit from it when, when they invite me to do that. So I'm, I'm always honored to be able to have those opportunities too. That's one thing I, I 
I think is amazing during this pandemic that we live in the age that we do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people were upset. And I I mean, of course, I'd much rather meet up with people in person. There's nothing quite like being with people in person. But we're dealing with a with a pandemic. (laughs) There's people dying and bad stuff happening. Uh, So at least we have technology. We have Mm -hmm. these things that we can do. And I think that's, that's really exciting. So for all of us to complain about not being able to, I'm like, I I get it, but let's be grateful that we do have these opportunities. So yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to live my, my life through being more grateful. I actually wrote it on uh, gratitude. I have a tattoo on my my wrist (laughs) as a reminder. Okay. You know, so, but you're right. It does. Oh man. I'm so much happier when I start to think of things I'm grateful for and think of positive side of life. I mean, I used to live in a very negative space, so I'm much happier now. It's amazing. (laughs) Well, Emily, thank you so very much. It was wonderful chatting with you and learning from, from you and uh, go get her book. I read it. It is so, so good. And yeah, it will definitely help you in any situation, I think. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to follow me on the socials, you can catch me on Twitter at Steph underscore Anne underscore web, Instagram, Stephanie underscore Anne underscore web. It has been changed from Steph Up Podcast. Check out my podcast website, StephUpPodcast.com. And also my other website, StephanieAnnWeb.com, where you can actually buy my children's book, What Should Dragon Do? And it's about living together with kindness how do we handle certain situations? And it actually gives kids a little scenario at the end. What should the best response be in that situation? I also started a blog on there. The first blog is on leadership. So check that out. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you go out there and make it a great day. Bye.